welcome back to the Dream Lab series podcast where we go behind the mindsets of high achievers. My name is Audrey Diaz. I am your life and confidence coach. I'm Sabrina Castillo and I'm your life and business coach. I probably start this podcast the same way every week. So excited to introduce our guest. And this week is really no exception. Today on our podcast, we have a woman that we really admire. Like she is, when I see her, I'm like, that's the epitome of confidence, of glam, of being a badass at any age. Today we have leadership coach, Jessica Rivera. Yay. Hi, Jessica. I think Thank you. I, um, I want to just echo what Audrey said, because any time I don't really. F- oh, so I have a couple of things that I wish I had the time to fix on my Instagram. But when I first started Instagram, I was just following people because I've had the app since it started. So I follow way too many people. Luckily, nobody really pops up on my feed unless I'm really active with them. You're one of those people. And every time you're knowledge your wisdom your energy comes on i'm like oh i love jessica she's awesome thank you thank you thank you that means a lot that means a lot coming from you guys because you have obviously both of you have created such an amazing uh platform and name for yourselves so thank you so much yeah so before we get started uh so jessica is a leadership business coach um you I think one of the things I really like about what you're creating and what you've been able to create is this real tangible skill that you're helping women embody, right? It's not just that you're like teaching it or coaching on it. Like I see it because I see you embodying it. So tell like our community a little bit about who you are and what you do so that they can sort of understand um, the conversation that we're going to be heading into today. Yes. Thank you. So I am a business coach and I mainly focus on leadership. And the reason I do that is because, you know, we we speak a lot about confidence, but what does that even mean? Right. What does that mean for you to show up confidently? Because I will tell you that many people thought I was confident when I was not in my mind. And so I, it was something I truly worked on. I led teams. I worked in corporate for um, many, many years and, um, leading teams that leading teams in a male dominated industry, I just felt like I would get frustrated a lot. And I was, I tapped into a lot of my masculine energy and it was exhausting for many, many years. I thought that's how I wanted to do it. I thought that's what made sense. You know, I grew up in Brooklyn and Queens and I, I was a badass, right? Like I can, I can do life all on my own, I, but I didn't want to do it like that anymore. And so I really started digging deep and really trying to understand how to make my life easier. And when I made my life easier, my team's life became easier. And so running a $4 billion department um, was not easy. Uh, and it became easier as I started focusing on my own leadership. So I, I, once I felt like I figured it out, I wanted to give it to everybody. Yeah. I like that because I can relate not in, in all of it, but in the part where you said that in your mind, you weren't confident. Like, I think there's been a lot, for the most part, people always will be like, oh, you're just, it comes easy to you. Confidence comes easy to you. Um, and that's because I always had this like fake it till you make it like attitude type of thing. Like, oh no, I got it. Like I would say, oh yeah, I know that. And then go and learn it. Cause I'm like, well, they can't find Damn. out. I don't know. Right. Damn. Yeah. Um, and what it creates is I love to talk about this. It's this false confidence, right. That because it's not like from the inner work, like you're talking about mm-hmm. it, feels almost overwhelming the performance the like I got to figure things out and you feel like everything is on top of you so I could 
definitely relate to that. And then I love how you shared about when you started constituting yourself, it was easier to lead a team, right? Um, and that, I don't know if you guys have ever had this, but I've had this. It, maybe like in the past 10 years, I've had jobs where I would tell my coworkers, I'm like, if that person was just a little happier, they wouldn't be so miserable at work. Well, yes. And if we want to be honest, I would say that person just has to have sex. Like, go do something. <laughs> oh, I definitely have said that. To like, somebody needs to go find a partner. Go find somebody to love on because you are miserable. <laughs> well, this is so interesting. And this is why we're having this conversation today, because we've noticed it in so many of our clients. There's this shift that starts to happen in our mid to late 30s. And what we all have in common is that we're 40 right now. And we really want to dive deep into what does being in your 40s look like? How can you better prepare for turning 40? Because it's not just about being where you want to be with your career, but what does the rest of your life look like? How are you showing up? So I take it that one of those things for you is that you started to love your life more. Yeah, I think um, I think it wasn't necessarily loving my life. So I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40, right? I'm, I'm 48 years old just turned 48 this year. And um, it wasn't that I didn't like my life. I felt like I had a great life. I started embodying the person I wanted to be. Sabrina spoke about like the performance. So I remember being at work and I worked in sales, in remote sales since, I don't know, 2000, I think six or something. And so we, I didn't even have to be around my coworkers, but when I was, I would put on a performance and it felt exhausting. I would leave a meeting or I would leave, you know, a conference and go back to my hotel room and I couldn't even like go eat, go anywhere because I was exhausted from performing all day. And so, you know, I felt like people would say you walk into a room and you act like you own it, right? Like, and I'm in sales. I was in sales. So that was a good thing, but I didn't feel like it on the inside. I didn't feel like I was being fully myself all of the time. It's in, in um, interestingly enough, with my clients, I felt a little bit more comfortable being myself. But at, at corporate, at work, or with my team, I felt like I had to put on a show, right? I needed to be more corporate, I needed to be more professional, I needed to be more of this and more of that. Um, and the more I realized I needed to be more myself, that's when it got easier. I liked my life, I, you know, my family, my kids, all of that. But I needed to just like who I was more and show up more as my authentic self, which took time to understand who that even was right. at work yeah. and at home. Yeah. I think, uh, one, I love talking about age. I love, I, I'll be 43 in July. And I, I just love the, I don't know if it's a generational thing or maybe other cultures have been doing this and we're just getting like hip to it. Right. But this idea that like Latino women are getting older and just getting started right and and living and embodying the way they want to and so i i think about what you're just describing and how it's so important to get started to get to know yourself no matter the age you're at because the more you resist that the more out of place you feel everywhere you go right like the little insecurities you have just start to multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. And you're like, why can't I get this right? Like, why is everything so hard? And it just keeps getting harder. And it's just because we're, you're just in a distance, see sort of yourself. And then all of a sudden you don't see yourself. Right. And I think you're judging yourself. 
Yeah. Right. And so because you're judging yourself, you think everybody else around you is judging you. Mm-hmm. You're showing up inauthentically to all of your relationships because you don't even like yourself much. And you might not even know that you don't like yourself. You just don't even know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk about what does that even look like, right? When you don't like yourself. It's And, and it's funny. My father always, since we were kids, would say, you, you just have to love yourself. But what does that mean? What is that? What does that mean? Right. And so I think not liking yourself um, should can show up like consistently being frustrated with others. Mm -hmm. Right. Not having the relationships you want, not being able to have those tough conversations. Like, I don't like when I'm being fake to you. So in turn makes me not like myself. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't like I'm not when I can't have a difficult conversation because I'm so frustrated, which ends up being me not liking myself because I don't like the way I'm showing up versus If I can sit back and say, listen, Audrey, I really don't like the way that came across. Can we talk about it? That feels great to me. Now I'm liking yeah. myself more because I can show up as a person who's compassionate, who can uh, really have an open and honest dialogue with you without blowing up. Yeah. Genuine. And I want to just share that like, when you have these kind of conversations with women who are aligned with you, these conversations still feel hard, right? But people don't make it about themselves. Like any one of my friends can come to me and say, like, you know what, Sabrina, like, I just feel like you haven't really been there for me. And they could describe their experience. And I could still say, like, I can see, like, why you feel that way. Like, I might have felt differently, but like, that is never my intention. And I just think that those conversations become easier when you really start to surround yourself with like-minded women. That is the basis of an authentic conversation. Because we don't see that often enough, even especially in relationships where we're gaslighting friends, we're gaslighting partners in relationships versus listening to them wholeheartedly versus like being defensive. And and I would, that's the word that was coming up for me, defensiveness, because right away we want to explain, over explain and justify our position versus listening versus trying to understand where the other person was coming from. And you may not even understand, you may not even agree, but just acknowledging that's how that person felt. That's how you, you can't, you cannot, I can't tell you how I made you feel. Yeah. That's like, and so it's so important for you to just sit back and be like, okay, that, that, that maybe I triggered that person. We trigger each other all of the time, even when we don't want to, even when we don't, it's not intentional. Mm -hmm. triggers are never going away and it's important to know that and that that's what makes this work so important because so many of us grow up never having the courage to say no to our parents Mm -hmm. and then we become people pleasers there's never I i love to say to my clients there's never a day in which that's over for us and someone tells us congratulations now you have permission to say no to people yeah yeah it just continues into every relationship in our life how we show up you know what's beautiful about like the way I grew up, um, we we could say no to our parents, but my mother rarely said no to my dad and my mother was a definite people pleaser. So what's interesting is that my sister and I grew up like, don't be like that. So we we didn't want to be like that. But internally, as as women and as Hispanic women, we still saw that and felt that we needed to do that. Even though we didn't necessarily always grow up like that, my household was a little bit more open. But um, I remember we went to Puerto Rico one year, we were kids, and all of the women, girls, had to 
cook and clean and serve. I remember serving our little brother and my sister and I thinking, what is going on? What alternate universe are we in right now? Yeah, I I, I feel the same. Like I had a very uh, similar experiences. I think I was like, I don't know, maybe 10. And I realized like, wait, I'm the only one that does dishes. My brother was five, by the way. So like probably age had something to do with it. (laughs) But I like boycotted. I wrote a letter to my parents and how unfair this was. And so my mom's like, well, this means that you would have to take out the trash. And I'm like, I can take out the trash. Like that's so much easier than doing dishes. Um, And then from there, um, luckily my mom like was aware to being like, you know, I do want my daughter to to feel like she could be empowered about certain things. So my dad started, they started alternating dishes. Uh, but my dad was always very helpful around the house to begin with. But just to have that ability to speak up. And like to Audrey's point, I started building boundaries with my parents when I went off to college because I thought I was so grown and I was living on campus and, you know, no one could tell me nothing. Um, and now as an adult, there are still times where even then it's hard to say no to certain obligations or things where you know like my husband would be like well just say no and I'm like you don't know my parents (laughs) you know but it's because there's this uh, admiration where you don't want to let people down sometimes right so even when you have boundaries it's so much deeper than we realize and I think this goes back to Jessica's point because in our search to just want to be liked I want people to like me. I want to be liked at work. I want to be liked amongst my friends. So then what we do is then we don't show up as we really are. And then we don't like ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. And I think when it comes to parents, uh, Sabrina, you know, like you said, they've done so much for us, right? In in a lot of cases, but it is important. And sometimes we need that person that's outside of us. So sometimes when we have a mate, our relationship with our parents do change because, that level of comfortability is no longer there, right? My parents right now um, can walk in my house at any time without letting me know. Mm-hmm. They have the code, right? They come in. But I remember when my sister first um, was dating or, or moved in with her husband, this was eons ago, they used to just walk in the house. And oh. he was like, they can no longer do that. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes yeah. you need somebody else to say, uh, no, that's not okay. Yeah. And it- it's so funny because like you, my mom, um, there was things that she saw that she didn't want for us. But my grandmother was like that uh, on my dad's side. And so she was like, I would never. So my mom, like I'm her daughter. So like the boundaries with me still blurs at times. But like her boundaries with my sister-in-law are so on point. She tries. I mean, she tries. So I'll put it that way. And and I think we can appreciate that. Um, but yeah, once you have it, like it changes and and we change right so Audrey you said something that I it really hit me because I said we want to be liked so bad and I realized so many times when I wanted to be liked and I felt like I had to try harder that really just wasn't the room for me Mm. right like I needed to get important to identify that like I was like I'm trying so hard here so for example like anytime you come to our events or community like you're accepted as is, right? Like, that's just the way we are and the way that the type of events and community we like to build. But it's also just acknowledging that, like, sometimes the room is not for you. And this happens in jobs, right? Like people stay in relationships too long, jobs too long, Mm -hmm. all because they're trying to prove. So what would you say to someone like that, Jessica? 
Yes, I'm happy um, you brought that up because when it comes to being liked, I thought about this. And in my personal life, I was never one of those people who had to be liked by everybody. I was okay not being liked. I was okay with a smaller circle, even though I ended up having a big circle of friends and I still do. But I was like, if somebody didn't like me, I was like, okay, cool. Like we don't have to, but at work, I wanted to be liked because I wanted career advancement. And so there I was very like, am I doing the right thing? I wanted everybody to know that I work hard, that I do everything, that I can do everything. But, um, Sabrina, you mentioned like, I would just say yes to everything, even if I'm like, oh yeah, I know how to do that. No, I, I didn't know how to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. That was definitely who I was. And to your point, you know, sometimes it's not the room for you, but also sometimes, sometimes it could be the room for you, but you're not open yet you're not ready for that room mm -hmm. for whatever reason, right? And sometimes you walk in and you're like, uh, uh, like these people are triggering me. That person's triggering me. Uh, this mean, they're not nice enough. They're not cool enough or they're too cool for me, whatever it sounds like. But it, it could be none of that. All of that you could be just making up in your mind. Or you're misaligned. Or you're misaligned. Yeah. I think there's so many things. So it goes back to that self-awareness and working on yourself to know, okay, what do I want? What I want is so important because many of us don't even know what we want. And mm -hmm. to your point, sometimes we sign up for things like for an event or for, or want a job that we're not even going to be happy in, or we just think we should be there because Sabrina signed up for whatever, or Sabrina got this promotion. Now I want it too. Or, or Audrey signed up for this event. Now I think I should go too. Or she's super successful in this space. So I think I should do it too. So I think it's really under, to your point, number one, you may not be ready for it. You may be triggered in a way thinking that you, you know, sometimes we're triggered by people that we, we actually want that, right? We actually want to do that. Yeah. We want to show up in that way, but mimicking them will never, it's never going to get you where you want to be, but being, figuring out, do I belong in this space? Really understanding what I want in this next phase is vital, but that takes time for you to sit back and relax, sit back and reflect, sit back and really sit with, with your thoughts and stop moving, which is also was really hard for me, mm. really hard for me because I'm a doer. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to do all the things. So when I started sitting back and realizing, okay, wait, wait, what is it that I want? Something that's coming up for me right now and that has um, come up for me in a couple of conversations is really questioning all of my thoughts. I started mm -hmm. questioning everything. Wait, why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? Why is this person triggering me? Why is this person annoying me? Why am I frustrated right now? Questioning every single thought I had really helped me get clarity on what I want to do next. Yeah. I feel that I, I felt like that in my late 30s and completely burned out by a life that I had created that I thought re I really wanted that served me at a time. Mm -hmm. Then that's the important thing about changing as we get older is giving yourself permission to change, like new things, change courses. If it no longer serves you, change. Yeah. Them. Wow. So what did that work look like for you? Um, so I had always been in self-development. Like I always just love that. And I laugh because um, my my son's father, when we were together, we were kids, you know, in our early 20s, he would argue and he'd say, go read another self-help book. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I've always been into uh, self-development. Um, but I think for me, I ended up 
really wanting to work on myself, work on my leadership. I want to work to like, there's no way it could be this hard. Like I loved what I did. Uh, but the people part, that's the hard part. Right. And so I'm like, how do I become a better leader? I did not, I didn't feel like I had leaders that were really supportive to me and I did not want to treat my team that way. And I'm sure I did at some point, especially in the beginning of my career, um, leading people. So I ended up becoming certified in Seven Habits of Highly Successful People or Highly Effective People, uh, which is a book by Stephen Covey, old school, love that book, read it in my 20s, but but it changed the way I led when I was certified as a facilitator. And then um, I also got my own coach. Um, and in that process of me trying to figure out what is it, who do I want to show up like? And I will tell you that... There was one specific meeting that really made me start thinking, okay, I need to start showing up differently. And so people at work knew, had been there for like, I don't know, 10 plus years. They didn't know a lot about me. I was very like black and white, right? I asked a lot of questions about other people because I didn't want to talk about myself. And um, and so I was at a, I was at a dinner and this man who had just joined the company with clients were traveling because I was in sales remote and we're traveling and we're with clients. He had never met these clients before and we're at a round table and it's all white men except for this new person who is a black, black man. And I, the only Latina, the only woman at the table per usual, he starts telling a story that in my mind, I'm like, I cannot believe he is saying this. Now, if it was just he and I, I wouldn't think anything, but I'm like, how are you saying this story in front of all these people that you don't even know? And what happened was they loved him. I loved him. I thought he was amazing. Like, I thought he had so, like the biggest is to say the story in front of these people that he doesn't even know. And they adored him. And I thought to myself, wow, he is so authentic right now. Like he does not care who is at the table. He's going to be himself and that is it. And I said, I need to be more like that. Mm. I need to be more like that. I need to, like, to me, that was just courageous that he was just like putting. Now, I will say there were other conversations where I think he overshared too much, but I thought the essence of him showing up as his authentic self, at least that's the way it came across to me, I needed to do more of that. Then that followed up with somebody leaving my team and me asking them, hey, let me, you, you have nothing to lose. Tell me what I could do better. Right. I would always ask them, what can I do better? And this one person gave me a gift and said, in this 45-minute conversation that we just had, I wish I had seen more of this person. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm cool. I'm easy. I'm like, I'm chill vibes. He's like, I don't know, Jess, you just seem like more regular right now. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. That was telling me I needed to show up more as my authentic self, more as like a person person versus a boss. Yeah. I was, I'm listening to you speak and you said something in the beginning, how you're like, oh, I'm okay with having a small circle, even though I ended up with a big circle. Right. And that's because they know that dress, right? Exactly. <laughs> they know that dress, they know that person. So right. I, I love like how that, so I, I don't know, maybe one of you guys could share, but 
I've had this thought and I've questioned all my thoughts. It got to the point last year, I think I told Audrey, I'm like, I love when Carlos triggers me because there's just something to learn there. And he triggers me the most sometimes. That's a beautiful place to be when you're like, contrast. Yes, this is a problem. How can I figure it out? Yeah, I think it was last year. And I was like, you're annoying me. It's triggering me. I'm I'm going to leave right now. And I'm going to go figure this out for myself. And he was like, what? And I was like, it's a good thing. Don't worry. I'm not yeah. mad. <laughs> um. But I, I've also had this thought where when you have been in this, for me, the performance wasn't so much at work. It's more with friends. Like I always saw, um, let's say like someone like you, I'll, I'll just say, because I could just envision you with like all your friends. I'm like, wow, they're so just like easygoing and everyone loves them, you know? So like I would sometimes probably in my personal life um, felt like I had to, perform like how do you how do you get friends to like you how do you get people to like you you know um I think it was easy for me to I was reflecting on this and Audrey will get a kick out of this because I love rom-coms I realized that it was really easy for me to date because a lot of the times I was just emulating what I saw the lead characters do which is like be funny be the friend and then you know so um and so there was a time I would say probably in the past like five or seven years where I was like, I don't even know why, like who I am to be liked, like who that person is, mm -hmm. right? And I've been on that discovery um, because like I, I liked myself, I like my life, but there's still more that I'm uncovering where I'm like, oh wait, I sometimes feel uncomfortable around friends because I'm like, who am I? Am I the funny one? Am I the serious one? Um, like all of that. How do you, either one of you, like, how do you guys find that authentic self? Audrey, I'll let you, yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's a little different for me because I'm an introvert and I always grew up being titled shy. So I think when I started working in the music industry, I tried to get like who I am based around my identity of I'm so cool. I work in the music industry. But that was really my insecurity shining through because I wanted other people to admire me. And I look back and I cringe at maybe some of the things I said or the way I acted because maybe other people didn't even care. Maybe some did. Okay, that's cool. But they didn't really. Right. And it wasn't until I solidly started doing this inner work for myself and got to like myself and being able to keep promises to myself. I I just got really honed in on I am not for everyone. Everyone's not for me. And as long as I honor my truth and who I am, and most of all, I think that being an introvert gives me the superpower of being able to observe and be really selective of when I speak. I don't, you know, sometimes we're around people who feel like they need to talk just to fill in the space and then often regret what they do say. Sure. That was me for a long time. <laughs> I'm I'm the opposite. If anything, sometimes I think like, oh, I should have said this because I am I want to really honor the conversations that are have that are being said and contribute to the best of my ability when I can. And I'm so grounded in that's how I am and how I operate that I don't feel like oh, I need to do more. I need to do this. I am very comfortable with who I am because of the work that I've done, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're making me think about um, a couple of things. I'm probably in the middle of both of you because I can be shy. I can I, I can be shy sometimes um, or in my mind, I'm a little bit shyer than I probably appear to be. 
Um, but we spoke about like just being quiet and not filling the room. I literally had a conversation the other day. Like, I'm not one of the, one of those people that we have to talk all the time. Like mm-hmm. we can be in the same space and not say a word, like just listen to music or whatever drive. Like I don't have to, that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, thinking about like being cool or whatever, I think I, in my mind, I always thought I was cool, <laughs> like in my head. So that's why I think I didn't need a big circle to, to, make me feel cool because in my head I felt like I was the coolest person anyway and probably because my parents were a little bit of the black sheep of the family and that I felt like I was the black sheep of my family right so I was like I was a rebel like you know I cut school I hung out at hooky parties like you know my parents uh, were just to me they were the best they were like chill vibes um and our house was like the party house so I always felt like like to be around my my family and us like we're just super cool like that's how I thought about it in my mind and when I would be around people where I felt like oh I'm shrinking or I need to perform that's how I knew okay maybe I don't belong here or maybe I'm just not ready for this or maybe I'm over trying to overcompensate for something um Mm -hmm. but that wasn't again that was a process of me trying to understand who I was when I'm triggered why do I feel this way instead of just appreciating like I'm in a space or I, I, I got to a space where if someone walks in the room and they're just like taking up all the space because it, they're just amazing, I'm just sitting there in appreciation and in awe of how dope they are, right? And it's like, how do I get some of that dopeness? Let's come, yeah. come give me a hug. Like, come put some of that on me. Like, that's where, that's where I, that's what ended up being where I was in my personal life. Business was a little bit different. Um, that took a little bit more time for me to really realize, okay, let me start showing up as the dope person that I am in my personal life, in my business life, without that like filter of trying to be corporate, trying to be show up as like this um, person, because I was ashamed. I was very ashamed of I felt like I did it wrong. Like I had a kid at 19. I didn't finish college. I had another kid. I was single. Like I was very ashamed. That's why I I, I remember somebody told me, Jess, I've known you forever. I don't know anything about you. Mm, somebody yeah. on a project with me for two years and said, wait a second, you're single? <laughs> I did not know that. So I they, they you know, I I kept I kept a wall up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know, as you're saying this, I started to reflect on Another big thing, and I think it happens to all of us when we do this inner work and we're able to grow, is that there's a shift that happens where you walk into a room before doing the work and your focus is on you. What are people thinking about me? I think that so much of imposter syndrome has to do with that. But when you do the work or learning to do the work, because we're all doing the work daily, we're able to go into a room. And my mindset is always like, who can I serve? How can I show up for somebody that needs me today? So the focus isn't on me and what can I gain, but who can I be there for? And I think that that totally changes the energy. Yeah. How you show up to places. When I first got into this space and Audrey knows, cause like Audrey's the closest person that we, I, it's like, she's the one person I could just like, I could just tell her exactly how I'm feeling. And then there's no judgment, mm-hmm. but I had like this big comparison. Like it felt like heavy, right. Where like everyone's doing these dope things. So good. And it wasn't until I shifted it and be like, if, if I'm comparing myself, it's only like you said, because they're so amazing. And when I shifted that to appreciation and being like, wow, like 
I just have to love on that person because I would want them to continue. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not that I want to do it the same, but like it just, if I see it as appreciation, you know, and something that you said about um, people not knowing anything about you, right? Um, so I had a friend that reached out or, you know, she's someone from high school and she's like, if you would have shown up like this at high school, she's like, I see you now. She's like, I don't know. She's like, I wish I would have met this person in high school. I was like, well, there's no way this person would be that person. In high school, I was so like, there's really only like a ha- maybe two or three people who really got to know me. And that's why I'm still friends with them. And the others, I was just trying to tread water with them, right? And being someone I wasn't. So I see where she's saying that. She's like, we sat in every class together for four years and I never got to see this person. And I was like, yeah, this person probably was there, but not there, right? Like the mindset wasn't there. The ability to just appreciate myself wasn't there, right? right? I was like, I wish that this would have been that, but it wasn't, and I don't mean I wish I would have gone back. I'm just saying like all of that has been part of this journey, right? That's why when I went to college, I decided I wasn't going to be that person anymore. And yeah, life got so much easier just being myself. I had, it was so much easier to make friends. And that's why I loved college because it was like the first space where I feel like I got a clean slate. No one knows me and I could just show up as myself and I don't have to bring everything that I had in high school of trying to be liked and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to rewind a little bit, um, changing gears because Jessica, you just said something so powerful and I don't want it to go over any of our heads how you realize that, you know, you being a single mom affected the way you showed up and the shame that you had in that. Because here's the reality, guys. We can talk about imposter syndrome. We can talk about doing the work and all of these things. But it's not until we realize and do the work on and speak out about where are we holding shame, because that's what's going to hold us back. And those are the things that we never feel comfortable talking about to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it held me back in a lot, in in a lot of ways. I was just having this conversation, I don't remember with who, but, um, or maybe even with the boys. So I have two sons, one is 28, the other one is just turned 21. And um, in the process of having two sons from two different fathers that really messed with my head, and the thought of bringing a third person in was overwhelming. There was no way that that was going to happen. Um, and so I was single for so long. So number, so I just focused on my work and raising my kids and that's it. And, and that was all I could do. That's all I had the capacity for. And, um, the one time I did have, um, I did date someone and like brought them into the fold. This person wanted to have kids and, and I, I could not think I was judging myself so much and the person was amazing, but I couldn't do it. I, there was no way I could bring a third person into the fold because I would have felt really bad about myself. Um, and the truth is, were people judging me about it? Probably, but that didn't matter. What mattered was I was judging myself about it. So um, I remember in corporate, um, people would even ask me at work. So wait, are they from the same father? And I wouldn't, I'm going to tell you, I lied sometimes. Sometimes I told the truth. I didn't know what to say. I I thought, number one, I felt like that question was inappropriate, but I also wanted, didn't want to not answer it. So I would just lie. Or I would tell the truth sometimes too, and just be like, whatever it is, what it is. 
Uh, but there was a lot of shame around that, a lot of shame about being a young mom, a lot of shame about having uh, children from two different fathers. That wasn't normal even in my family. I was, if, if you had a child when you were young, you were married. I wasn't married for number one or number two. Now, number two, we had a really long relationship, but, um, and we were together for five years before we had my son, my second son, but still, there was still a lot of shame when things didn't work out because mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be with him forever. And so growing up, you know, as I climbed the corporate ladder in corporate, you know, I thought everybody else did it right. And I didn't finish college. So that tap that on top of it. I just felt like I did everything wrong. And I was urban, right? Um, because my company was national. And so I come from New York. I had like, I, uh, I was labeled as like, um, I had a, like a New York vibe, which was an, a good connotation. It was like aggressive. It was, um, you know, I, they would say I walk into a room and I take up all the space or I walk into a room and I act like I own it. Like all of these things, which I knew was kind of a good thing, especially in sales and, and corporate for me to climb the corporate ladder, but it wasn't told to me like it was a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was younger. I, you know, dressed differently than they did. I embraced my curves. I had kids. I didn't finish college. There was a lot of shame around that and a lot of judgment to myself. Okay. You know, I'm listening to you and it puts me right back to how I felt right after I got separated and divorced because you, you know, you build this like public image, right? And everyone expects you to be someone. Well, for me, I felt like everyone expected me someone that just has life figured out. And so when people are like, where's your husband? I would die, like die inside. I would see the DMs coming in and I would see it. Like, you know, you'd like get a preview and I'm like, Ugh. and I would just leave it unread. I wouldn't know what to say. So it does take a hit on your confidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as I did the work, I started to realize most of the people that are DMing me, asking me are because they're not happy and they're trying to figure out how I did it. Mm -hmm. exactly. exactly. This is a, a perfect segue to, you know, like how we can start to close out this conversation, which is happiness, right? You know, it's interesting because you, in that process, stress from, from what I'm gathering is you did climb up the corporate ladder, the salary increase, like things were good like you said in the beginning, like you liked your life, but that shame and that ability to not be able to understand how to navigate that, um, it didn't matter how many raises or promotions or things you did, because that was always something there, right? So the road to happiness, which I think the three of us have had multiple conversations, how we're like, we're good, like, this acceptance of where we are right now is happiness, right? And how the, the meanings and the attachments that we have with that word look very different now. So what does the road to happiness look like for Jessica to where you are now and, and how much more you you're in the mindset to create, if that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the road to happiness for me is, you know, this is going to sound, you know, airy, but like stillness, right. Making sure I understand where I'm at, uh, what I want to create, what I want, and being able to ask for it, right? And that's actually, what um, that last piece is something I'm still working on, like making sure I am asking for what I want, right? And so to me, that's the path to happiness, understanding who you are, how you want to show up, showing up that way, but then asking also for what you want. And so that 
all of that together, when I started showing up as my true authentic self and stopped judging myself and stopped being afraid of other people judging me, it got much easier for me to, my, my personal relationships definitely got easier. Yes. But my work relationships really grew because they saw those walls coming down. They saw, okay, wait, she isn't perfect. Even though I never like perfection. I feel like that, that word is so far uh, detached from me because I'm like, how would anybody ever think I'm perfect? Like I had to get my first kid at 19 single mom. Um, um, you know, all these things that I had in my head. So when people would say, Oh, uh, you know, you just come across as perfect. I'm like, where, where, (laughs) but But when I started releasing my own judgments for myself, I stopped judging others more, right? So I'm now releasing the judgment for other people. So now they feel closer to me because they feel like they can come to me. They feel like it's okay. We're in a safe space. And for me personally, being able to show up as myself felt like freedom. Mm. For me to be able to say exactly how I feel you didn't have to agree with me. You didn't have to know where I was coming from. You didn't have to understand me. But for me to be able to express exactly how I feel, when I feel it, understand how I feel, that felt like freedom to me. So it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the raise. It wasn't about anything. But when your relationships get deep like that, like, oh, um, I'm in a safe space, right? Sabrina, I can tell you, hey, you are pissing me off right now. Let's have a conversation about it. Right. And you not get offended and I'm not offended. We just have a normal conversation that feels like freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we all want as women in this age. And I don't know guys, but this actually, let me say this. We hung out together the other day. Mm -hmm. And when we did, and I posted it, I had a couple DMS, like I want to be in on that conversation in that room. Mm -hmm. And just this conversation, it's like we didn't even finish what we initially said we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So how many of you feel like there needs to be several parts to this conversation? I know we do. And we are going to give you that. So we want to fill you in on something really exciting that we're doing called the happiness series. But before I get into that, I just want to say, if you want to be the first to know so that you can be in on this conversation, we need you to text happiness to 917-634-4904. That's happiness to 917-634-4904. Because this is just a preview of what yeah. we're about to bring you on. Yeah. And so a couple of things we want you to do. First, we want you to save the date on June 24th. It's going to be in person and it's going to be a free event, but it is going to be limited. So tax that number because that is the first group of people who's going to get the information. And I think that one of the things that Audrey and I have always had as a vision for the Dream Lab is for women to find, you know, their happiness and create a life by design. And when we're saying a life by design, sure, we want you to have the most extraordinary experiences that you can have wherever you want to have them. But first we want you to have that peace that Jessica's talking about, that peace of like, I'm good, right? Um, I've shared some of this on Instagram, Jessica and Audrey know, but when my dad passed away just a couple of days ago, I was reflecting, you know, the first thing you ask yourself is like, did I do everything, right? Did I do everything? Am I at peace with it? Did, is there something I would have done differently? And the answer is no, like, we enjoyed life together. We had a great life together. And I don't think I would be able to appreciate that if I wasn't in this state of my life where this is happiness, right? Yes, it has 
has sad moments. Life is 50-50. Things will continue to happen. But overall, being able to really appreciate it, and I know it sounds cliche, but looking at the, the glass half full versus half empty is always going to help us stay in a state of happiness, right? And and I was telling Audrey yesterday, I was like, to me, I realized that happiness is a choice. And sometimes we don't know how to get there, but just being aware that you would rather be more happy than where you are today is the beginning. And that's why we want to have these real conversations because we're not here to show you, like Jess said, that, that perfect life. No, yeah. Jess just shared some of her biggest insecurities. Sabrina just talked about the pain of her father dying. I talked about the trauma from my divorce. Like this happiness series, we're going to get into these real life things that happen to us as women and how we choose the joy throughout it all. Yeah. Yes. Um, Thank you for inviting me for, I mm-hmm. love having deep conversations, like real deep. I'm not, I, I never like small talk. I like big talk. So thank you. for yes. That's, that was one of the hardest part. Good of quote. <laughs> that was one of the hardest parts at corporate for me is the small talk. Oh I'm my like, gosh. And now like PTA meetings are like that a little bit with me. I'm like, Oh man, I got to go there and do all this small talk, but I don't know how to do small talk. So yesterday we had our school play and people are like, Oh, I haven't seen you. I'm like, yeah, my dad passed away. And they're all like, you know, like taken back. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, that's the truth. I haven't been around because that's the truth, right? If you ask me where I've been, I'm going to tell you where I've been because I'm very comfortable where I'm at, basically, you know, so I don't like small talk either. It's exhausting. It is. Yeah. I don't do it. Yeah. Just let people know where they can find you um, so they can learn more about you. Yeah. So I mainly hang out on Instagram. I'm always in my stories. Like you'll know my whole life if you hang out with me on Instagram, but I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at coach Jessica Rivera and also on LinkedIn as well. I, I hang out there a lot as well. Um, so yeah, I'd love for you to send me a DM. Let's chat. I love connecting with new people. Yeah. Thank you guys so much um, for this conversation. Don't forget to follow us at the dot dream lab. I'm going to put all of Jessica's information in the show notes and we can't wait to see you on June 24th and keep tuning in for our podcast every Friday. Bye. Bye. Bye.